This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. All right, well, we are in week five of a series that we have called Soul Surrender. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's turn over to the epistle of 3 John. There's only one chapter in 3 John. And uh, we have just been talking about this idea since the beginning of the year, surrender. Not necessarily a popular idea in the culture that we live in. Um, Nobody wants to surrender or yield or submit to anybody else. But if we take that same attitude into our relationship with God, we will miss out on the life God intends for us to live. Because that's one of the ways that we need to think about life, that he is the giver of life. And so if he gives us life, he actually knows how we should live it. And so when we surrender our lives to him, that we can understand about life and then specifically how to live it out. And that's what we're talking about in this series. Uh, we can you know, say the phrase, well, surrender your life to God, but we're trying to be a little bit more specific um, about that. And so we've been taking these individual ideas each week and seeing how God wants us to surrender uh, specific areas of our life to him and then how that works out practically speaking in our lives. So let's read here in third John verse two, it says this beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So John is praying for this church and that he wants things to go well in their life. He wants them to be healthy and he wants things to go well for them, but then he relates it to the condition of their soul. Um, sort of the center of your life. The, the word soul is defined as the seat of the feelings, desires, desires, and affections. So how all of that is going in and around on the inside of us is going to reflect on the outside of us. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now that word that's translated here in Matthew uh, chapter 10, life is the same word that we see in third John, soul. So it's translated one place life, Another place it's translated soul, same Greek word, has the same meaning. So in other words, Jesus is saying to us that we would submit or give our soul, which is really all of us, the center of who we are, the the person that makes decisions and then the one uh, that has feelings and then the affections that we have for certain things, which really is the center of who you are, that if we would cling on to that or hold on to that, we would actually not experience life the way it was supposed to be lived. But when we give up our lives... When we surrender our soul to him, we're actually going to discover life. So the first week we talked about this idea of yielding or surrendering to the voice of God or the wisdom of God. And then the second week we talked about uh, worship. And then the third week we talked about generosity. And then last week we talked about submitting ourselves uh, to God's kingdom ways so that we can be useful and a blessing to others in the kingdom. So if you missed any of those messages, you can go back and catch up online or through our church podcast or through the app and uh, catch up with us. But today we're just going to be continuing on. Uh, one of the verses that we read last week, we showed how Jesus submitted his life and ministry to God. And it said that he didn't do anything that God didn't show him to do. And then he didn't say anything that God didn't tell him what to say. And one of the big ideas that we said last week, if Jesus needed to surrender his life to God, how much more do we need to surrender our lives to God? And, and referring to one of the things that Jesus talked about, the words 
that he said, that he surrendered his words to God. And so we're going to be talking about words and how important words are to us um, in our lives and then what is, how words affect what goes on in our life. Now, when we think about this big idea, this big subject of words, when we think about you, if we know you a little bit, we will remember some of the words that you say. You will be defined a little bit by your words. And then some of the words that we say that we can remember that we said, we can remember good results for some good words that we said, and then some bad results for some bad words, not necessarily swear words. I'm just saying bad words that you said, some, some negative repercussions for something that you said. And does anyone have any remember, remembrances along that line? I remember I was thinking uh, this morning in, uh, in Bible school, I had a friend and uh, um, the friendship didn't go well because of some words that I said. Um, if you know me at all, if you get a little bit close to me, I'm a little bit sarcastic sometimes. And if you're sarcastic back with me, man, I can go for days being sarcastic. But not everybody has that chip. And then sometimes you find out the hard way that somebody doesn't have that sarcastic uh, sort of sense of humor. And so I was sitting with this friend and he had started dating this girl and we were watching a volleyball game together. And um, he had some sort of pinkish salmon color shoes on not to say that men can't wear those type of shoes but i said to him in that moment i said you know because he was dating this girl i'm like it's nice to see that you guys can share shoes (laughs) see i thought it was funny (laughs) him not so much um and literally in that moment he got really upset and we were sitting together and he walked and moved away from me he was so mad and later i tried to apologize we weren't really friends after that. Let me just say it. I mean, we were friends on actually on Facebook a little while ago. He unfriended me again. Maybe he remembered the shoe incident. I don't know <laughs> what happened. So maybe something bad based on some of the words that I would say. Maybe he has that memory of me in his mind. But then also on the flip side of that, when I met my wife, I said some words that she could not resist. And it was some sort of version of how you doing. You know what I'm saying? And, and some words that I said after that, that sealed the deal, people. Now, she's not here this morning to refute any of this, so I can just go on for a while. No, but we, we, the words that we say actually have great effect in our life, and they have great effect on the outcomes that we experience. And not just in the context of relationships. We're going to talk about relationships next week. But they actually have great effect on our lives in general, the words that we would say. And Jesus has a lot to say, and there's a lot in the scripture about the words that we say and how important they are. So let's read a few of them here in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Now, when we think about Jesus, the scripture actually tells us that Jesus is the word of God or the word made flesh. So his whole distinction is about him being closely associated to the word of God. Now, when we think about the word of God, it's, it's actually very synonymous with his character and what he did. Now, when we see, when we think about God right from the beginning in Genesis chapter one, we see the, the scripture, the Bible, uh, starts out by saying, you know, there's darkness and, and, and the, and the earth had no form or void. And then the first thing that we see when God showed up is that the scripture says, and God said, let there be light. So this, this first understanding that we have about God is that he shows up and he says something. God shows up 
and then he says something. And then the scripture tells us that we are made in the image of God. The fact that we can verbalize and we can share ideas and thoughts with language is a little bit unique to humanity. And it is a very distinctive thing about who we are as human beings. When we think about people, once again, we remember what they say. And we can remember um, some very famous people and maybe some very famous speeches. And they said very good words to accomplish great things. And then we can remember some other people who gave some other very famous speeches. And then terrible things happened based on the words that they said. So it is a gift that that God gives to us that we can use language to convey thoughts and ideas. But that gift has a great um, effect on our lives. And Jesus tells us about this here in Matthew chapter 15. He's having a dispute with the religious people, as he often did. And they were complaining that him and his disciples weren't washing their hands before they ate. And Jesus was um, not saying, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea to wash your hands. But they were taking this hand-washing ritual and they were making it somehow, if you wash your hands, God will love you. If you don't wash your hands, God won't. And it just became this very ceremonial, religious thing that became difficult. And Jesus is going to speak to this idea. Verse 10, it says, and he called the people to him and said, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him saying, do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? So Jesus gives us a little biology lesson. That when we eat something, it passes through our system, and then it gets expelled. And then he says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person talking about the words that we say. It's not some sort of religious thing that we do, or some sort of tradition that we're keeping, or we don't keep that somehow defiles us. Jesus says that our words are so much more important. And then the words that we say actually can mess up our lives, defile us, he uses this word. It says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. That we would think about the words that we would say, that they have great importance in our life and they have great importance to those around us. Once again, when we think about the people that we like, the people that we want to spend time around, they usually have said good words to us. It wasn't so much, man, they're really good looking or something like that, because you can be around a really good looking person and if they say mean words, who cares? You know, I mean, their bone structure does not make up for it. When we think about the people we want to spend time with, it usually has to do with the words that they say. It actually defines who somebody is. Jesus makes the same point. It actually defiles you when the words that you say end up being this really not good situation. We want, but we want to be around someone who says good words. Verse uh, In Psalm 19, verse 14, it says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
So here we see in the scripture this idea of submission, that we're going to be submitting my thoughts and my words, which are very closely connected, because you say what you think, and we'll see that further here in the scripture, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that they would be acceptable, that I want to submit what I'm thinking and then what I'm saying so that I I don't go down this other road. I don't defile my life with the words that I say. Because once again, we already know that people do this. We, we have experience with people that we don't want to be around. And like I gave you my example, other people don't want to be around me if I say certain words. So this gift, this wonderful gift that God has given to us, this gift of language, we can either use it for good or we can use it for evil purposes. But when we surrender our words, we surrender our thoughts to God, it actually makes a tremendous difference in our life. Matthew chapter 12 Verse 34, talking again to the religious people, Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings forth things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings out evil things and the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that, you, that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. That as we see in the beginning, that God was creating things, creating planets and the heavens and the earth and all of the things that are with his words, with that same created in the image of God idea, we're creating our surroundings with the words that we say. And Jesus makes this point that what we're full of will actually come out of our mouth. And then he says, if there's evil on the inside of you, there's just going to be evil coming out of you. And then there's good things on the inside of you. There's going to be good things coming out of your mouth. And then so Jesus helps us out a little bit about understanding what's on the inside of us. This is great indicator about what's going on in the inside of us, what I'm thinking about, what I'm focusing on. Why? Because it's coming out of my mouth. Once again, it's very easy to distinguish about what's coming out of someone else's mouth and whether we like it or don't like it. And I'm going to be with you or not going to be with you based on what you say. And it's very easy to be stringent with other people and their words, but we can be careless like these, you know, this word talks about empty words, that we can be very careless with our words, that we're not actually considering the words that we're saying, how they're affecting other people, yes. But then how are the words that I'm saying affecting my life. Because the words that you say, once again, it starts with something that's on the inside of you, and then you hear it, because you're the first one to hear what you say. And so you believe something, Jesus saying something's down on the inside of you, and then you, then you say it out of your mouth, and then it has effect in your life. But we're supposed to be slowing down a little bit and actually consider what, what is coming out of my mouth. Is it worthwhile to listen to? Do I want to be the person that talks like this? You know, we, once again, we can see, we can watch a news program. We, we can see somebody um, on the other side of the political spectrum of us. And they're saying words. They're saying their thoughts. And then sometimes we find ourselves talking to the television. Has anyone ever done this? 
Why? Because you're interrupting these other thoughts with things that you don't like. You hear a thought and you, you think, no, that, that means this. And so I want to interrupt that thought with someone else. Or if somebody is in a really terrible, hopeless circumstance. And they sort of have given up on life. And it's like, no, this is too hard and I can't go on and the struggle is too big. In the middle of that, we also want to interrupt those thoughts. We, we wait, want to say, no, no, don't think like that. There is hope. There is possibility for you. That we would interrupt our own thoughts, not just someone else's. Parents, this is a big one for you. When you hear things coming out of your children that you don't like, what are we supposed to do? Well, you know, they're just, they're just expressing themselves. They're learning to grow up and they're just expressing who they are. No, they don't know enough yet. You need to interrupt those thoughts when you see and you hear your children acting in certain ways that you know is not conducive to getting good grades, to maintaining a job, to being successful in relationships. You interrupt, don't you, parents? <laughs> That's what we do. That's our job. So what are we doing? We're, we're, there's something on the inside of our children that we're not liking. And so we interrupt it with words that have different thoughts. What did God do when he saw darkness at the beginning? What did he say? Did he say, wow, this is really dark. No, he saw darkness and what did he do? He said light. He spoke what he wanted, not just what he saw. And this is why we need to differentiate between the thoughts that are in our heart. Are they actually worth saying? Is this who I want to be? The words that I'm about to say, is this who I want to be? And will what I'm saying produce good? What I'm saying right now, what I'm about to say, is it worthwhile? Is it good or is it evil? If someone were to hear this and project it on a YouTube video so that all were to hear it, is it actually worth somebody listening to? Jesus is telling us that we would distinguish between evil and good thoughts. Because your words actually make a tremendous difference in your life. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. In other words, submit or surrender. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Your tongue, your mouth is part of your body. Use it to glorify God. And I don't just mean singing praise and worship. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But use it as an instrument, not an instrument of sin, that I'm not going to be saying sinful words. That I'm actually going to be saying good words. I'm not just going to be saying what I see that's negative and rough and difficult. No, we know. How do we change the things that we don't want? Well, we say something else. This is what that big revelation, that big understanding is that we get from Genesis 1. God saw darkness, but he said light. Being able to understand is what I'm seeing or hearing on the inside. Should I actually say this out of my mouth? Do I actually want this thing to continue? No, then I'm going to say something else. Because your words have power. 
Your words are directing your life in a certain direction. And then God says that we can actually glorify God with the whole of our body, with the whole of our existence. The words we say are so very important to direct our lives. Just so we don't have this negative feedback loop. We see something negative, so we say it, and then we reinforce it, and then we feel it more, and then so we say it again. I used to work at a larger organization downtown, and I'm sure you've seen this if you work in an office, that sometimes there will be a few employees who either are angry at another employee or angry at a manager, and then there becomes this this group, this small group of people, two or three or four, And then they all gather around this negative idea towards this manager or this boss. You ever seen this? And like, well, why do they have the corner office? And they don't deserve it. And why do they make this amount of money? And then they get together and they all natter negatively about this person. And it just just becomes, they just hear it and they think it and they say it. And they hear it and they think it and say it. And you can stand outside of it. And you can be kind of like, well, I don't think they're that bad. But this is what happens to us. We can just get stuck In this circle of negativity, we can get ourselves stuck in a circle of darkness. Jesus said, good things are going to come out of somebody's good heart. Man, but evil things? The Pharisees couldn't, their negativity just kept coming out of their, and they couldn't actually see that God was right in front of them. Because they had something evil, negative in their heart and they were saying it and then they were hearing it and it reinforced what they thought. Then they said it again. Jesus is asking us to think about what we're saying because what we say makes a difference. Words that were said in the history of the world make a difference. That's a really big idea. Can you think about anybody, any famous person, any famous world leader, any speeches that we remember? And they said certain words, and then every year we hear these words again. Why? Because the words made a difference in the world. Same for you. Your words make a difference in your world. So we just can't be careless about it because they actually make a difference. It's not just something we shouldn't think about. Words are really, really important. Let's look at a story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 13. Very famous story along these lines. The children of Israel um, were getting ready to go into the promised land. And so Moses had sort of this this strategy that he was going to send out spies into the promised land so that they could scope out, you know, where the the different enemy camps were and different things like that and, and what the land actually looked like. So they had a very specific job. So one representative from each tribe, they went out and they came back and they started telling Moses like, man, this land flows with milk and honey and it's really great and it's beautiful and and look at all. And so they brought back this huge cluster of grapes and they had to carry it between two people. It was so big. And so this, this is really exciting about the promised land that God is sending us to. And so the story picks up here in this moment. Moses is talking to the spies. And then after saying all of those good things, they say, verse 28, however, the story is about to go bad. Yeah, it flows with milk and honey. And yeah, look at the, look at the crops that we see in this land. They're like, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites. 
dwell in the land of Negev, of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the land. The Canaanites by the sea, all of the ites are there, people. And along the Jordan. So they're there and now they're, now they've moved from, okay, it, it flows with milk and honey to, there's a lot of opposition out there. There's a lot of difficulty ahead. And so what does it look like? It looks like it's going to be difficult. It's look, it looks like it might be work. It looks like out in front of you, you might have to expend some effort or a lot of effort. And in that moment, what you say is really important because your words can actually send you forward to get the job done or your words can stunt you, stop you. Man, I'm not going to do that. Well, that, I really see this thing in my heart and I want to get for, I want to go forward in life. Oh, but it's going to take a little bit of effort and it's going to take a little bit of time. And then you can talk yourself out of things that you actually need to do. And this is what's going on here. God had a plan for them to go into the promised land. It is God's will for them to go into the promised land. Let's keep reading. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you hear the difference? How do we know what's different about Caleb and the rest of them? The words that they speak. There's something different on the inside of Caleb than the rest of them. They're like, oh, it's too hard. It's too difficult. There's too many giants. It's going to take too long. Caleb interrupts those words and thoughts with other words and thoughts. He's like, we are well able. Verse 31, then the man who had gone up said to him, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Listen, the world has not changed. This is how things are. This is how things are in life. In verse 32, it says, So they brought up to the people of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone to spy is a land that devours and inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are of a great height. So in other words, they're all really tall. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves, listen to their words, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. We seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. Do you ever tell yourself this narrative? You see something out in front of you that you need to do, that you need to accomplish. A big part of you being able to accomplish something is the words that you say. They're, what are they, they're looking out ahead at the promised land and we're like, ugh, we're, we're nothing. I mean, this is the ultimate, you know, idea that the, the good angel and the bad angel speaking in your ears is like, man, you could do it. It's like, no, you can't. Yeah, you, could, you should really go for that. No, no, you're not good enough. And this is the constant thing that we face in life. And we're going to fall somewhere in this decision-making process. That there's going to be um, something out in front of us. And here's the reality. God's not, God's putting stuff out in front of us, things to accomplish and things to do. It doesn't mean that they're all easy. They're actually going to take effort. Anything that's worthwhile doing is going to take effort. It's going to take time. So God is calling us to do stuff. Are we going to talk ourselves out of it and just say, ah, oh, we're grasshoppers. We can't do it. We're not good enough. 
And so here, the children of Israel have heard these two reports. And the Bible actually gives us a hint that one is a bad report. And then Caleb is saying, hey, we could do it. We are well able. And then they were like, no, they're giants. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And then the group is going to decide. And what did they decide? Numbers 14, verse 1. And then all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night. What did they choose? They chose the wrong thing. And how, and how do we know that something came out of the inside and they just decided to cry? They were already defeated before they started because of their words. And this is how life works. This is how life works. Don't defeat yourself before you start with what's on the inside of you and by what you say. These stories are here for a reason. God gives us a big hint. Man, look that it's dark. What do you say? I say light. I say we can do it. I say we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. The words that we say are so important. Let's continue. And what do they say? And all the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. What, why, are they, why are they mad at Moses and Aaron? They're deciding not to go. It's Moses and Aaron's fault. And they're the ones crying. They're the ones deciding not to go. But now it's someone else's fault. The whole congregation said to them, listen, this is, this is their option now. Instead of going forward in the promised land, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. This is their option. We're not going to go fight the battle, but what we're going to do now is we're going to say, I wish we had just died. Hopeless words. Hopeless words. Would to God that we had died in the land of or we had died in the wilderness. So these are their options. We actually don't want to go forward and put any effort forward. Um, we should have just died when we were slaves. Or we should have just died in the wilderness. This is somehow better. How do we know this, this is on the inside of them? It's coming out with their words. Let's continue. Actually gets a little bit funny. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt where they were slaves? This is their option. The words that they're coming from an evil place in their heart, a bad place in their heart that is actually, listen, it's actually fixing their destination that actually has nothing to do with the will of God. God wanted them to go forward, but they said no. God had something for them to walk in. They're like, no, we're not going. What, did God bring us out here to kill us? We should just go back. We need a new leader. Verse 4. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Choose a new leader and go back to Egypt to enforce their negativity and to enforce, I can't do it. I just want to hear somebody tell me I can't do it. 
See, we never want to set ourselves up as less than. We never want to set ourselves up as a victim. We never want to set ourselves up as someone that can't accomplish something. Why? Because God wants us to accomplish things in life. He's calling us to move forward. What are we going to say? What are we going to say about it? Because what they said made all the difference. And this whole group, the scripture tells us they just died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. By your words, you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you'll be condemned. So with Caleb there was another guy named Joshua. Joshua, we know, was famous for taking over from Moses. So 40 years later, in Joshua chapter 6, we see another story. So Joshua is now the leader. And this group, this, this complaining group that, that died in the wilderness... Joshua has a chance to lead them uh, through the walls of Jericho. Now, if you, if you grew up going to children's church or if you, you're a church kid and you have very specific memories of pictures in Bibles about the walls of Jericho and how impenetrable they were and how tall they were and it was an impossible thing. Any church kids out there? Come on now. Any church kids in the house? We made it through, people. <clears throat> So here Joshua, who 40 years previous had this experience with this group of people that chose the wrong thing, heard a couple different options. Let's go forward. We can do it. No, we can't. There's giants. They chose the wrong thing. So now Joshua is the leader. They're going to go and take Jericho. And it says, let's just read the story. Joshua 6, verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. So once again, the will of God is established. The will of God is established. The question is, are we going to surrender to it? The will of God is accomplished for us. God has plans and purposes for us. God has things for us to do. The question is, are we going to align with it? One of the ways that we're going to align with it is what we say. What we say is so important. So here... Hey, Jericho, this is my plan for you. Verse 3. So here's the plan for the walls of Jericho to fall. March around the city once with armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seventh time with the priests blowing the trumpet. So this is God's plan to get through the walls of Jericho. All right? Verse 5. When you hear the sound of a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, Joshua, who was there 40 years ago, a very similar circumstance. He's there, and now he's leading this group of people. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city, with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. What is Joshua doing? Joshua is saying what the will of God is. Joshua is using his voice. That God has given him to say the things that are the will of God. What are the things that are the will of God for you? Someone's like, I don't know. That's, that's the big mystery, Pastor Brent. What is the will of God for me? In, the, in very simple terms, if we go back to Genesis, God observed darkness and he said light 
And then he said, and it was good. Your job, the will of God for you in 2018, in places that you see and experience darkness, you bring the light. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be aware of what's going on in and around the real world that I live in, the real office I work in, the real school that I go to. When I see and experience darkness, when I see and hear darkness, I say the light. I'm not just going to say what everybody else says. I'm not just going to go down some negative road with everybody else. I'm going to say the thing that I want, what God did at the beginning, not just say what I see with these eyes, that I can bring the will of God, that I can bring the light of God to my life. So here, Joshua, he's saying words. Verse 8, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. So they're following the instructions of God. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. Verse 9, the armed guard marched ahead of the priests and blew the trumpets. And the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. So here we have Joshua, the same exact place where he was 40 years ago. Different set of instructions, perhaps, but the same goal in mind. Go into the place where I have for you. And right here, I would say that Joshua remembered that a bunch of people ended up dying in the wilderness because of the words they said. And so Joshua says, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Nobody even got to talk. Joshua was going to ensure that they were going into the promised land. He was tired of wandering in the desert because of what somebody said. So Joshua was like, you don't even get to talk. Don't even say, look at the walls. Don't even say, man, the walls of Jericho are so big. How would we get? Nobody say anything. I am going to ensure that we go where God wants us to go. So I am going to be the voice. And this is the way we need to think about our lives, that I am going to be the voice of God. That where I see darkness, I'm going to speak light. Where things go uh, awry in my relationship that become dark, I'm going to speak light into those places. This is what God wants us to do. God wants us to align our words with his will. A couple more verses. Proverbs 17, verse 27, it says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit, now that doesn't mean cool, you're awesome. It just means cool, not hot-tempered. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Restrains his words. In other words, decide what I'm about to say, is it worth saying, and then is it worth hearing for somebody else? And so for those of us, I'll put myself in this category, for those of us that like to react, any reactors out there? You know, we're not necessarily responding, we're just going to react, right? 
but to say the first thing comes to our mind and then afterwards like it didn't work restrain restraint what is the point of restraint that we would think about what I'm going to say because Jesus is telling us that the good that's in our heart will actually bring good in our lives if we learn to submit our words to that submit our words to that that we could bring light to the darkness last verse Proverbs 18 verse 20 from the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach is satisfied he is satisfied by the yield of his lips see we can't look out at our lives and just be dissatisfied and try to blame everybody else and then have a pity party about my life to a measure what we're experiencing in our lives the scripture is telling us has a lot to do with what we say and it doesn't mean bad things aren't going to come our way but when bad things come when bad things come my way what am I going to say I'm not going to be like oh I deserve it oh I'm an idiot oh I'm so stupid no I, I want to have a yield from the words that I say that I want to submit to I want to surrender what I say to the voice and the heart and the plans of God for my life because that's what I want to experience. That's what I want to reinforce in my mind and what I hear and what I believe and then what comes out of my mouth. The yield of my words so that I can bring light to the darkness. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.